Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross of your son Jesus that gives us life that is truly life now and forever as we trust in him as Savior and Lord. Today, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be poured into each of us, that we might live our lives for you, and that we might this morning have our hearts open to receive the truth that we need to go out and live this week more generously and reflecting your life in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you who don't know me or you've been here, maybe never been here before, and uh, what you may not know or may know about me is I've started my ministry in Cincinnati, Ohio. I spent my first five and a half years there, and the first day that I went to the church, this guy walks up to me and says, you're from Pittsburgh, huh? Well, I figured there was no point telling him I'm from Gypsy, so yeah, I'm from Pittsburgh. He goes, you a Steeler fan? I said, of course I'm a Steeler fan. And he said, this is honest to God truth, he said, I don't know how you could be a Steeler fan and a Christian at the same time. <laughs> well, about 12.15 last night, I was thinking sort of the same thing about Bengal fans. <laughs> anyway, I bring that up for a very particular reason, and that is because last night I saw the reverse of the mission of New Life Christian Ministries. The mission of New Life Christian Ministries is to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And people sometimes don't think that one person matters. Well, if your name's Adam Pac-Man Jones, your name matters because you threw your team season away because of a linebacker coach named Joey Porter. Do you realize, I read a few little articles already this morning, And Adam Pac-Man Jones, first of all, blamed Joey Porter for his penalty. Joey Porter isn't even in the game. Then he blamed the ref for his penalty because, you know, of course, that was terrible ref. Of course, it couldn't have been his fault. And it certainly wasn't, you know, Monte Burtick, however you say his, Burfick, however you say his name, you know. Anyway, it wasn't his fault. And the, the reality is... The Cincinnati Bengals had us beaten. In fact, I almost went to bed with a minute and 32 seconds left in the game after our backup quarterback, Landry Jones, threw that interception to perfect. I mean, he, he had a perfect game at that point until he didn't. You know, I mean, how do you fumble a ball? Just saying. And then how do you, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. Do you know what Mike Tomlin said to Ben Roethlisberger? He walked over to him. He said, can you go? And he said, I'll give it the best I have. This is the best he had. Seven yards, seven yards, seven yards. Boom. 15-15. Didn't even have to get him. What's my point? My point is you might be sitting here today saying, I don't matter. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because uh, on Christmas Eve, if you were here, I had a little horseshoe nail in my hand. You know, remember I said, for want of a nail, the horse was lost, and a horse, and then a rider, and then a battle, and then the kingdom. Well, the season was lost by two guys who gave Chris Boswell, pooh, what a fine that was, huh? Chris Boswell a chance to kick a 35-yard field goal instead of a 65-yard field goal, which he would have never been able to kick. 
So they handed the game to us last night. So next week we get to watch Denver. And, and who knows who's going to even be able to play for Pittsburgh next week. But that doesn't really matter in my illustration. What matters is you're here today and you're going to hear a message about how you can use your time and how I can use my time generously to glorify God because we're in the middle of this series. Well, actually, it's only the second week of a five-week series, so sort of the front end of a series called The Generosity Factor. And back in last summer when we put this series together because we knew so many of you have been new since we had a series on giving, which was a couple years ago, that we wanted to bless you with a series because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we knew we had to do a series and we started to think of it. What's the title? What's the title? Because title is a very important thing for a series for Brad and me so we can remember what series it is. But more important, so you can remember what series it is. Because if we can't remember the truth, we can't live the truth in love. So we thought the generosity factor. And, and I, for some reason, I went home and I went on Amazon.com and I Put in, you know, in the book search, The Generosity Factor. And I popped this little book, The Generosity Factor. And eventually I said, hey, you know what, Brad? We could give this book out on Christmas Eve. Then people could read it before the series. We've never done that before. And many of you have read it and you've said, wow, this is a great book. It is. And the title, The Generosity Factor, for the book comes from an acronym. The Generosity Factor actually is um, this acronym, HEART. And, and heart stands for he owns it all, that is God owns it all, and then the E stands for every day is an opportunity, A, A is action is required, R is remember to count your blessings, and then T is to thank God. And that was told to this young guy called the broker, this you know fancy businessman from New York City who doesn't have a clue about generosity when the book begins, by the executive. And the executive is this old guy, he's from Colorado, and he's just happened to never had a high school education, but he ended up accumulating 800 and some businesses in his lifetime. And what he, he said to this broker is, I don't care about that. I don't care about the money, I don't care about the position, I don't care about the status, what I care about is Jesus. What I care about is making a difference in one person's life at a time. And he did make a difference in hundreds of people's life at a time. And of course, I don't know if, if you haven't read the book, it's based on the life of Truett Cathy, one of the co-authors who was the founder of Chick-fil-A, who in his lifetime gave away $16 million worth of scholarships, $1,000 at a time. That's a lot of scholarships. Because he, he believed the same thing the executive believes, that when you've been blessed by God, the reason is to be a blessing to others. And so that's what this series is all about. And we're dividing it up into now these four different areas, the four T's. And if you didn't read the book or you weren't here last week, the four T's are time, talent, treasure, and touch. And we're going to talk about time today. But how we use our time, our talents, our treasure, and our touch, how we invest those or spend those or waste them will determine what our life is like and ultimately the legacy we leave when this life is over. And what the executive, that wise old man, told the broker, the young man who didn't have a clue, is that generosity flows naturally from gratitude. And gratitude comes naturally from those who have received a changed heart. Now, he wasn't talking about a heart transplant, a physical change. He was talking about a spiritual change. He was talking about what happens when Jesus Christ comes into a person's life who's broken, who's hurting, who's, you know, just hasn't known life that's truly life and gets born again. And that person suddenly has a changed heart. And all of these things that we're talking about through this generosity factor eventually come out, or at least that's the plan. 
And so many people over the years, I've been a pastor for almost 32 years now, you know, whenever the preacher stands up and starts talking about time and talents and treasure, and now we're adding this touch thing, people go, well, that's the reason they talk about that is because they just want my money. They just want my, they want me to volunteer in the nursery. They want me to do this or that. No. The reason we talk about these things is because Jesus talked about them. The Apostle Paul talked about them. Peter, you know, talked about them. James talked about them. All the Old Testament writers talked about them. Because what they knew was that when we have a changed heart, it comes into a new life that is generous. And as we said last week, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So today, as I said, we're going to talk about time. And the thing is, we're not going to really be a good steward or manager of everything that God has given us until we realize that the H in the word heart in the generosity factor is true, that he owns it all. If we don't think God owns our life, if we don't think he owns our stuff, if, he don't, if we don't think he owns the talents that he gave us and, and even the ability to touch others with blessing in life, then we're not going to use it for him. We'll want to conserve it. We'll want to keep it for ourselves. We'll be selfish rather than being generous because the opposite of generous is selfish. And so today we're going to talk about time. And it's really impossible to talk about one of the four T's without talking about all because, I mean, if let's just say, for example, that I'm going to invest some time in Mm, who am I going to invest some time in? Brad. Okay, I'm going to invest some time in Brad. Well, I can't really invest time in Brad without investing the talent that God has given me into him as well. And, and certainly I won't invest my time and talents in him without touching him in some way, whether it's through my caring, whether it's even just a handshake or a hug. And, I, and sometimes it's going to maybe cost money to invest in somebody's life in, in a generous way. And so they all fit together. But what we're going to do is we're going to slice those four pieces apart and we're going to talk about time today. We're going to turn to the Word of God and we're going to open it to a familiar passage of Scripture here at New Life. The reason I call it familiar here is the last two years, this is the third time we've turned to it when we talked about time. Because it's probably the clearest passage of Scripture talking about how we're supposed to use time in the Bible and it's in Ephesians chapter 5, it's verses 15 to 21. We're going to turn there in a moment. If you have a Bible, you might want to turn there or a Bible app. If not, it'll be up on the screen. And um, before we do that, I'd like to tell you what today's take-home point is. It's simply this, and those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point we're going to drive home today, and hopefully we'll take it home and live it out in the week ahead, and that is making the best use of our time means walking wisely. Now, the word walking is in quotes, because the Bible talks about walking when it really means living. So we could say making the best use of our time means living wisely. But some of the older translations of the Bible use the word walk because the Greek word is actually walk. And, uh, but it really means to live. We're going to live in a wise kind of a way. So what we're going to do right now is turn to Ephesians 5 verse 15. And the Apostle Paul wrote this to obviously a church in a place called Ephesus. And he said this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise or walk wisely. Now, what does it mean to be careful how you live? Well, there are two things the word careful actually means. Careful can mean to plan ahead. You're going to be careful. You're going to give care to what you're going to do, so you're going to plan ahead. When we start to think about time and how we use it, I'm reminded of the series we did in the fall about life management called The Time of Your Life. And remember what we said then? We said everybody has different talents. Everybody has different amounts of treasure or money. 
And we could say that everybody has a different capacity for touching others because some people just don't even want to get close to other people. And some people are, you know, all hugging, you know, the hug a tree kind of thing, you know. They're, they're really that kind of touchy-feely, but some people aren't. But we all have the same amount of time. So how is it that all of us have the same amount of time, but yet one person gets ten times done more in a day than the next person? It's because they're careful. They plan. You see, just getting out the plan and, and setting time forth to make a plan is going to guarantee that you're going to use the time more wisely than if you have no plan. Let's say you have 15 minutes. And you know what? Some people would say, well, I have 15 minutes to kill. Because you can't do anything with 15 minutes. That's what some people think. The other person who has a plan with their life, they have this little thing on their side. They say, oh, I can call Aunt Susie in 15 minutes. So I call Aunt Susie. I tell you, how you doing? She tells you how she's doing after the call. She feels loved and cared about. And you have been generous with your time in that 15 minutes. And it doesn't matter whether it's 15 minutes, a half an hour, half a day, a day. Some people just say, oh, I can't do much with a day. And other people go, whoa, I can do so much with a day. So that's what it means to be careful and use your time wisely. The other word for careful or the other definition of careful is to be full of care or to worry. That's not what Paul's talking about because when we worry, it's the exact opposite of being generous. Because worry is selfish. It focuses on me. What, what's going to, oh my, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to, you know. And, and then we don't think about anybody else except ourselves. And then Paul goes on to say, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days, or make the most of the time in these evil days. And it sort of seems like he's saying the same thing, except he adds a little qualifier. He says, the days are evil. Did you notice the days are evil? Look around, there's sin. And a lot of Christians are saying to me, boy, don't you think it's getting worse? No. It's not getting worse. It's the same. There's always been sin in the world. There's always been sin ever since Adam and Eve sinned. And I mean, God, it must have been pretty bad when God destroyed the whole world except for eight people. It must have been really bad then, right? But here's the thing. People think sin is winning. Sin lost. Sin lost on the cross 2,000 years ago. And what's happening is the devil knows his time is short. And so he's doing everything he can to kill and to steal and to destroy. And I hear people saying this all the time. You know, I have a lot of time. I have time for my wife, I have time for my kids, I have time for, for my children and my, my parents. And, and the truth of the matter is, there are some people out here in our world that don't have a lot of time. And, and the days are evil. And when I hear people say, I have all this time, I know that they don't. Because my parents are both dead, I don't have time with them anymore. And my children grew up, and they moved away, and so I don't have daily time. I used to have hours with my children every day, and I used to have minutes every day where, you know, I'd pray with them in the morning, and I'd pray with them in the evening, and I would have fun with them during the day, and we'd do schoolwork together, and we'd go do activities together, and all that kind of stuff. Seemed like it was an infinite amount of time, and it's gone. Well, I see them, you know, every now and then, holidays. I talked to him. I texted Abby last night. She thought we were going to lose last night. Do you believe that? Huh. Me too. We had lost last night, but we didn't. Okay, but anyway, but, so, but it's gone. All that time is gone when you have so much time. And so Paul says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And here's the thing. I have, because I'm a pastor, I've had the opportunity to sit by the bedside of many people over the years as they transition from this life to next. In other words, as they die. And not one of them, not one of them has said to me, I wish I had played another video game. I wish I would have watched another hour and a half of, you know, some of my favorite TV show. 
Or even, I wish I would have worked another day. Anyone that has regrets always says this, I wish I would have taken more time with my brother. I wish I would have repaired that relationship with my friend that he was my best friend and then I haven't talked to him for 20 years. I wish it's always about relationships. It's about people. And here's the thing. All of us who live long enough are going to sit in a rocking chair someday. For me, I, I, I said this. Some of you, it's 50 years. Well, he thought, guy going out of first service, thought I said, I have 50 more years left. Unless I'm going to be 108, I don't. Okay, I might. You know, I'm planning on living a long time. But anyway, here's the point. Someday I'm going to be sitting in a rocking chair. Someday you're going to be sitting in a rocking chair. And when you sit in the rocking chair, here's what's going to happen. One of two things. I guarantee you, I've seen people sitting in their rocking chair. You're going you're to sit back and you're going to go, I remember back when I was 12 and my grandma wanted me to come and mow her grass. And I did. And she sat down and we talked and she told me about what it was like when she was growing up. I remember that. That's an investment of time. Actually, it's an investment of talent, too, and, you know, and other things. But you're going to think, oh, when I was 25 and I had a chance to do X. And, and there was this missionary that came to our church and, and, and I felt moved and I gave 100 bucks. And then I found out that that missionary had used that 100 bucks and 10 people got saved. Wow. And someday I'm going to meet those 10 people not very long from now because I'm in my rocking chair now. So I know I'm going to be meeting them someday. What's my point? My point is the other way that we can live our life in the rocking chair is we can go, oh, man, I just wish I'd die. Oh, man, I, I, you know, I wish somebody would come and visit me. Oh, man, you know, life is terrible and it's getting worse and I don't see any point. And that really is the way I've been around a lot of folks in their rocking chairs. And so here we are this morning, and I don't know how old you are, but what I do know is that if you live long enough, you will sit back and reflect on your life one day, and you'll either have big smiles because you remember the things that you did with the five minutes and the ten minutes and the days and the hours and sometimes the months and years, or you'll regret what you did with those things. And the thing that I can tell you for sure is that one day, if you haven't yet built those rocking chair memories that you want to remember, you can still do it. You could start today. Maybe so far Jesus hasn't been Savior and Lord in your life even. And, and so today you say yes, or, or, or whatever it is that's been stopping you from building those moments, you can start today and the rest of your life, when you look back, you can go, wow, and smile. And here's, I can promise you this. If Jesus is your Savior and Lord and you do that with the rest of your life, one day you're going to hear Jesus say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master's kingdom. We're actually going to talk about that um, very parable in a couple of weeks. So then Paul goes on, and what does he say next? He says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't act thoughtlessly. Do you notice how it, don't act thoughtlessly, make the most of every opportunity, be careful how you live. What Paul is saying is be intentional. Use every minute the way God wants you to use it. Now, can we use every minute the way God wants us to use it? Of course we can. Of course we can. We can use every ounce of our talent the way God wants us to. We can use every penny that we ever receive the way God wants us to use it. We can receive every blessing of touch that we could give the way God calls us to do it. We could. For example, let's say you're going to watch a football game next Sunday afternoon at 4.30. What you could do is you could call somebody up this week who you know is going to be home by themselves. And you could say, hey, why don't you come over to my house? And they don't, they don't even maybe don't like football. So what? 
Because during the time, you get to have fellowship with them, and, you, and they get to feel important. Or maybe there's a child or a young person that you know that doesn't have a positive male or female role model, whichever you are, and, and you just invite them to come over. Then you invest some time that way. You see, you can do anything intentionally or not. So can I. And, and you might be thinking, well, Pastor Chris, do you use every second of your life intentionally? No, I don't. I wish I did. But I can, and that's the point. We all can. And what if during the year of 2016, all of us just became 50% more intentional about using our time wisely? Pooh, there would be an incredible amount of difference in this community, this region, I would think, in the nation, in the world, just because of that. Because remember what Paul said to us last week? He didn't think he already attained everything that, that, God, that he wanted, you know, God wanted him to do, but he pressed on. Remember how we said you can't sort of meander into 2016 or drift into 2016 or wander into 2016? If we want something significant, we have to press on. We have to be intentional. That's really what Paul is saying here, too. And then the next thing, and I think this is the most, one of the most important verses in the entire Bible, Ephesians 5.18. It says, don't get drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the first thing Paul says is, don't let substance abuse ruin your life. Now, I know it says wine, but that's because in Paul's day, a lot of the substances that we abuse today weren't available. And this is what I know about people that are involved in addiction to substance abuse. They do not use their time, talents, treasure, or anything generously. I'm not being mean. I've spent six years, invested six years now on a week-by-week basis helping people who have alcohol and drug addictions to come to know Jesus and to move forward in their lives. And I've spent my entire life dealing with an addiction to anger, inappropriate anger, and I know that there's only one solution for all of us, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying, unless the Holy Spirit is in, in our lives, we will not be generous. We will not, actually, we won't even be able to overcome the things that make us stumble every day. And the thing that, if you've come for any period of time to New Life, you know, because I've used this verse many times, it's the be filled, it's a present passive imperative. That verb, pleirusta, present passive imperative in Greek means present, ongoing. It doesn't mean I got saved when I was 12 and the Holy Spirit came in and that was that. No, it means be being filled every day, every moment. For me, it's like a whole lot of times every day. And then the next thing is it's a passive. It doesn't say fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. Like we can drive you know, to the gas station and fill up our cars. Well, let's drive to the Holy Spirit station and fill up ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Can't do that. It's a passive. What I can do is I can say, fill me, please fill me. And then the last thing is it's an imperative. Even though, even though it's a passive, it's an imperative. We're commanded to open ourselves to being filled on a regular basis with the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. Jesus didn't come to bring us a new way of life. He came to bring us a new life. He said it was being born again. That's how radical the difference is. And again, it's, it's not a physical heart we receive. It's a spiritual heart we receive. It's not a physical life we receive. We already got that. We, we get a spiritual life. And when we get that, Paul tells us here, ongoingly, over and over and over and over again, we're to be filled. Then if our lives are going to be everything they can be in 2016, they will be because, it will be because intentionally, we have asked God to fill us up with the Holy Spirit, and we live in the power of that Holy Spirit. That's how we don't you know, live thoughtlessly. That's how we make the most of every opportunity. That's how we live and walk carefully in this world. 
Then Paul says, the next thing he says is, once the Holy Spirit has filled us, here's what happens. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among ourselves, making music to the Lord in our hearts, and we give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what happens once the Holy Spirit comes in? How can we tell if he's really in our life? Because we have joy in our life and we have gratitude in our life. That's exactly what the executive told the broker. Remember, the broker had all this stuff going on in his life. He was so busy, it's so important. But he, he, he felt insignificant. He was insignificant because he wasn't building into anybody else's life but his own. And, and the executive knew the joy of helping others in the name of Jesus and seeing lives being transformed and families coming together. And it was just an awesome thing. If you haven't read the book, you really should read the book. Because it gives us an example of what one person can do. And you don't have to own 800 businesses to make that difference. What Paul is saying is, once we have that joy in our life, once we have that gratitude in our life, it's just natural that we look around, we look outside of ourselves, and we start to do, do good for others. We don't do good so God will love us. We do good because we know God loves us. That's what Paul says. And then the final thing we're going to look at today, verse 21 says this. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. People don't really like to submit in this culture because submit means to voluntarily put myself under the authority of somebody else. And we don't like to do that because we're Americans and we like to do what we like to do. Just ask Pac-Man Jones and how that's working out for him. Right? We like to do it and we can do it, man. I mean, he did it. He did what he wanted to do and he blamed the ref and he blamed Joey Porter and today he's probably blaming 10 other people. But the bottom line is, the bottom line is, when we submit ourselves to Jesus, we will submit ourselves to each other. I don't know if you realize this, but whoever's standing up here preaching, we are submitting ourselves to you every single week. Every single week. When I'm in my study and I'm preparing the message, I'm submitting myself to you because I know something. I know that I'm, first of all, submitted to Jesus. He owns me. And so what I know is that if I can bring the truth of his word to you all in a way that's good for you, that blesses you, you'll be a blessing to other people in your family, in your schools, in your workplaces, and we will be a church that's truly a church. And so I don't say the stuff that people like to hear, but here's one thing I can promise you. There's a person came in. Felt the new chairs for the very first time this week. Hadn't been here last week when we, had, we got to me now and said, aren't you afraid people are going to fall asleep? I said, hey, if people fall asleep around here, they're tired. Because you're not going to come here and fall asleep unless you're tired. And if you're tired and you fall asleep, that's okay. We don't mind. I mean, really, I don't mind. If you all fell asleep, I would know that you must have been up all night watching a football game or something. Because what we have to say here is the life-giving word of God. We believe that with all of our hearts. And we're submitted to Jesus, so we're submitted to you. So we're going to do the very best that we can do in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. I have a little simple example. What is that going to look like in your life? I'm going to give you a little one simple example. Let's say you've been coming here for six months to a year. When you came, you already knew Jesus, or you've come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord in the last you know, six months to a year. And so what's going to happen after this worship gathering is over, you're going to go out there, and, and it could be possible that you're going to see 100 people that you don't know. Now, here's what a lot of people do when they find 100 people they don't know. They go like this. And they go out to their car, and they go home. Now, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to go out and find somebody you don't know after worship today, after worship when you come, or before worship when you come next week. I want you to go like this. Hi, I'm Chris. And when I look you square in the eye and say, hi, I'm Chris, 99 times out of 100, you're going to say, who are you? Jim, I'm Jim. Right? And see, what I'm going to do if you don't do that to me, I'm going to go, and you are? Because maybe you forgot. And I'm, okay? Don't do that. Don't do that part. All right, but I will always say, hi, I'm, you know, and, and, and then they will usually say, hi, I'm Jim, or, you know, whoever they are. And, and here's the thing. That might be all it is. You have made a touch. That's you've been generous with touch. In that moment, you've taken 30 seconds of your time. But here's the cool thing. It might be 30 years of your time. Because you might have just met your best friend that God had created for you from before the foundation of the universe by saying hi to somebody that you didn't know. I know that because I've met people for the very first time, and 10 minutes later, they're my best friend. Happened in seminary, Andy Ross. I, met, I said, does somebody go back to CRW? You know, I need, I need a ride. And he goes, I will. And by the time we rode 10 minutes together, it was like we knew each other for our whole lives. And we were best friends all through seminary, and we've stayed in touch. Not as much as we should have these last number of years, but for the first five or ten after seminary, we were like, you know, they called us the three musketeers because it was Andy, me, and Tad. But anyway, that's the point. I didn't know Andy from Adam's Tomcat the day I met him, but it took five seconds. Okay, now here's the thing. You're going, whoa, oh, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I know you can't. Some of you can't. So here's what you do. Go, Holy Spirit, fill me up. I'm serious. Okay. Hi, I'm Chris. See, I don't have to do that because I was born, I came out of the womb, said, hey, doc, what's your name? I'm Chris. <laughs> but some people aren't like that. You know, and when I first meet somebody, I go, I wonder if they know Jesus. I'm not normal, okay? I know I'm not. But even if you're normal, if the Holy Spirit's in your life, you can say hi to somebody. And that's Okay. So now some of you are going, wow, he said 6 to 12 months. So if I've been here longer than 12 months, I don't have to do that. Yes, you do, if you know Jesus. Oh, I've only been here for three weeks. You do too, if you know Jesus. All right, so submit ourselves out of reverence for Christ. Now here's the thing. If we do that in our lives this year with our time, we're intentional. You know, we walk wisely day by day, and we make the most of the opportunities, and we aren't thoughtless, and we, you know, submit ourselves to Jesus, and we are, first of all, we're filled up with the Holy Spirit, and we, 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 we have joy. We're going to impact people, and when we sit in our rocking chair someday, someday, we're going to go, wow, I remember when I met that person at New Life that one day after Pastor Chris made me, and wow, it changed my life. I'm so glad I did that, Right? So here's, here's the commitment for today. I think it says, I will make the best use of my time. Is that what it says? Ha, this week. I will make the best use of my time this week. Time is days. Time is hours. Time is minutes. Time is seconds. I will make the best use of all of that this week. Now here, I want to tell you something. You can only do that if Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. You can't make the best use of your time if you don't know him. So if you're here today and, and somebody dragged you in here or you came in because you've been hearing about this church and you just wanted to find out what's going on and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that means that he has saved you from sin and death and you don't know him as your Lord, meaning he's the owner of your life. If that's not you, but you want it to be because you really do want to have a life that matters and you want to have a life that's meaningful and you want that power of the Holy Spirit, then right now you can just say, God, I haven't used my time for you. 
But in fact, I haven't even acknowledged you exist. But come in. Fill me up right now with your Holy Spirit. Let Jesus be my Lord, my Savior. I, I want that. I want it from now until the rest of my life. Because when I go out of here, I want to make a difference. And I want to make the best use of my time. And if you just did that or you do it right now, it changes everything forever. In an instant, it changes. And then it's going to take the rest of your life to grow up into that. Because as I said, I don't do everything with, you know, thought and intention. More than I used to, though. And I'm sure some of us, all of us in the room would say, we don't do everything with thought and intention, but more than we used to. Now, the rest of you who already know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, who are in the room today, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking, and someday, sooner than you think, you're going to be sitting right here. Is it going to be a good day that day? A good week that week? A good decade? Some people spend a decade in this position, you know, before they go see Jesus. Well, it will be. It will be. If Jesus is first, and if we make the most of every opportunity, if we walk wisely with our time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much for this opportunity to share your truth with others. And I pray, God, that, that today that you would pour your spirit into us anew and afresh, that that be being filled moment would be right now for each of us, and that we might live boldly and confidently for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.